Talking about life insurance, um, so a lot of people uh, take it as a very hard conversation to have, and in some some cases it is. Um, and but I think that the more more important part of the conversation is truly understanding the benefit from it, um, and, and, and understanding how much uh, your your life takes a hit if you don't if you don't have security. I mean, with anything, you have a car, you have insurance, you know. Everything. Everything. Everything, but for some reason, when we're talking about your life, I've, I've got insurance on my phone. <laughs> right. You know, somebody my age, they 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 don't want to talk about the, the serious thing, the life insurance. You know. Right. It's it's sad sometimes. Um. But so so let's get into it. So so I always thought I wanted to go into investment banking. Mm -hmm. I always thought that was the way to go. Uh, they made a lot of money, and the price tag that came with it is what attracted me to it. Uh. Once I got into uh, college, I really started to think about what is it that I actually want to do. And I realized I want to help people not make myself a price tag, you know? Right. Yeah, the money's great, whatever. I make a decent commission, de decent living. But at the same time, it's all about I'm able to set somebody up for their future. Right. That's a, that, 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 was, that was a big thing that attracted me to advising and then... From there, I just kind of took off, got some licenses under me, and I was like, oh, actually, I'm actually kind of good at this. All right. So from your, uh, just a short synopsis, your definition of life insurance, we're not talking about a textbook answer, I don't care about what Google says. What do you define life insurance as? I got you. So in my opinion, so I'll give you a more professional answer first, and then I'll give you what I, what I call it. Okay. Right. So in, in my professional opinion, um, Life insurance is another investment vehicle that people don't realize necessarily exists that can be positioned for a living or a post-mortem benefit, essentially. Uh, personally speaking, though, I think life insurance is an absolute necessity that people don't realize, not only for your family, friends, whatever, uh, partners, anything that you might have, it's also a living benefit for yourself. I'll kind of get into that a little bit later, but that's that's life insurance to me. Okay. And, uh, well, I mean, while we're here, while we're even here, when you say a living benefit, right? Because I've had conversations with people, and I'm not an advisor, so I can't even really help them understand what it is. So right. I guess the living benefit, elaborate on that. What, what do you mean? I guess to right. people that you. say, well, I'm, I'm alive, why do I need it? <laughs> so a lot of people think, you know, I'm putting money towards life insurance. Mm -hmm. And so Jarvis and I are brothers. Okay. He's my beneficiary. I pay, pay in X amount of money to my, uh, you know, I pay X amount of money into my life insurance policy every month, every year, however I, I choose to pay it. Right. When I die, Jarvis gets all the money from the, from the benefit, you know, 250,000, 500, whatever it is. That's not the way that I position, especially not to young people, because the last thing we want to think about is dying. We're not dying anytime soon. Right. You know, we're, we're just not unless we do something stupid or God forbid he calls us early. You know, it, it, it is what it is. But what a lot of people don't realize is you can actually position it as an investment vehicle and take essentially what they call distributions from your policy by house, 
buy that vacation home. You're short on money that you need to put a new roof on your house because your roof caved in after a bad storm. People don't realize how they can use their life insurance for that. So, so you're telling me I don't have to go to the bank. I don't have to go. I could just pull from from my contributions to to purchase a home to take care of other investment. It depends. That's that's going to be my answer on that. Is it depends? It depends. So I guess is there a waiting for you, correct? So, yes and no. Uh, yes and no. Basically, the way it works is you need to put money into a policy for however long you need to, right? And it, we're, we're talking about permanent insurance here, mm -hmm. right? Term, right? Permanent insurance. Term insurance, you're not going to be able to. Define the difference between term and, and, and per permit. First. Gotcha, I'll get into it a little bit. So basically term, easiest way I can, I can think to say it, uh, you rent a house, right? You pay 1,500, 2,000 to, to rent your house every month, right? When you move out, do you get anything back from that house? No. No, you don't. Right. So term insurance is like rent. Okay. You pay it in, you have it for however long the specified period is, could be to 80 years of age, to 20 years of level, whatever it whatever is. Whatever the term. Is. Whatever the, the term was. contract says right. is how long you have it. Okay. Right. And you pay that premium, whether it's a level, so you're going to pay the same rate every month or an increasing where as you get older, as you get closer to what death age is, right. you're gonna see an increase in the premium, but you have to pay it. And if you don't use it, say you die at 81, you had termed age 80, you get nothing. Why? Because you had rented insurance, essentially. Same idea as auto insurance, phone insurance, any, any insurance you buy is rented. Mm -hmm. The only thing that is permanent, sticks with you forever, is permanent life insurance. It'll pay you till, if you die at 100 and six years old it'll still pay like is, i mean was that through annuities perpetuities I, like as far as the payment like yeah right so how we do it is it depends on how you fund the policy mm -hmm. everything comes back to how you fund the policy so you should fund it to a certain set standard which your advisor should know if you're dealing with an advisor that's worth anything he should know you know i need to put in x amount of value i'm going to get x amount of return and I can do Y and Z with that, mm -hmm. right? And you could take you could take distributions in retirement, create yourself a pension, or if you say you had a very lucrative career and you don't need that, right. you're just gonna leave more money to your family. <laughs> right. I'm sorry, I didn't think that was a bad thing, or your friends, or your wife, right. or whoever it was. The win-win. Right. Okay, I get it. So, I mean, so, I guess, just a range, how, how much does life insurance cost? Per permanent, permanent life insurance, uh, as far as premium, what are they range? Or is that, that depends on the person? Or is that something that- Yeah, I, I can't give you a straight up answer and be like, oh, it's gonna cost you 50 bucks a month. Okay. I, I just can't do that. So what, what is it based off of? It's based off a lot of things. So anybody that sits down and talks to an advisor that again, is worth anything, they're gonna go through your budget sheet. They're gonna talk about what you lay out every month, what you bring in every month or yearly basis, whatever it is, what you're on the hook for, and then also what you're getting from your job right? Or however you get your income. Then we're going to go to work from there as an advisor. And to the best of our ability, we're going to come up with a budget mm -hmm. and see what we can get you with that. So I can't say like, Oh, 250,000 is definitely going to cost you $50 a month. It's just not going to work. Right? A plan is completely tailored to the person that I'm talking to. It depends on their age. It depends on their sex, believe it or not. 
It depends on a multitude of things, health issues, how, how risky you are. If you ride a motorcycle, if you rock climb, it depends on a lot of things. Okay, so now I know a lot of people that are afraid to, to do this because they, they're scared of the medical examination that they have to take. What is the medical examination for? Okay, so a medical exam can be for a variety of things, right? A lot of insurance companies actually are implementing some sort of a uh, smooth underwriting process to where they try to, if you're in good health, if you have no pre-existing health injuries or issues or anything of that sort, they're going to be like, uh, you know, Jarvis isn't really going to die tomorrow, so we're going to push him through a little, little quicker, right? Right. Whereas, you know, somebody that's in their 50s, 60s, something like that, they might have to have their doctor sign off that they're in good health or something like that. Medical examinations, again, are another thing that are different to everybody. They could need blood work. They could need you to, they could need a urine sample. They could need anything. And they're going to test for typically drug use. They're going to test for any diseases, anything of that sort. They want to know how healthy you are because that's going to directly reflect to how much you're paying how much you're able to get, and whether or not they even give it to you. Outside of uh, outside of the medical examination, what's something that would disqualify you from, you know, this time? Like maybe you might not get approved this time, but like what, like what are some other examples that uh, I guess were, you know, reject people? Right. From, so uh, a big thing that uh, that happens is, you know, uh, people overweight, uh, drug use. If you have a pre-existing disease. Right. If you have something so now, now there are guaranteed issue policies, mm -hmm. guaranteed issue policies are no matter what you have, you're going to get that insurance. But at the same time, that insurance is going to be through the roof expensive. You know, um, all companies have a different list of what disqualifies you. If you have a DUI, typically that does criminal records that could impact you. Because if you, if you think about a, a car, right, or even yourself, your health, mm -hmm. you try to get health insurance, you try to get auto insurance. No one wants to insure somebody with all these tickets, you know, and, all this, and if you do, you're going to pay out the ass trying to, trying to get insured. Again, I'll one-up you here. Think about a credit card, right? Your credit score is low. There's not a single soul that wants to give you a credit line, right? And if they do, they're going to charge you an arm and a leg for interest because they got to make sure that they're going to get theirs out of it, right? It's the same way in any kind of business, right? We want the best result for us. The majority of my business is with total strangers. Right. My friends and family are going to be the last people to do business with me. And that's just how it works. Right. That's how it works for every advisor that's even a little bit successful. I've been an advisor for two and a half years. Right. Right. I've, my parents haven't even got something from me yet. <laughs> right. You know, and, and they're the people that are supposed to trust me the most. Right. Right. So how realistically, I don't think it's about whether or not the person trusts the advisor right. as much as it is that the advisor is deserving of the trust, right? If I call somebody and I, know, I don't know you from Adam, the first thing I'm focused on is establishing a rapport with you that lets you understand I'm a stand-up guy. Mm -hmm. I want what's best for you. I don't know you from Adam. I've never known you. You might be 40, 45 years old, whatever. And for 45 years of your life, you had no idea who I was, but guess what? Now me and you are in this together, right? right? So I think the biggest thing is just finding an advisor that you trust. Mm -hmm. And for me, there I've had clients or potential clients that are like, honestly, I don't really want to do business with you. And I have to respect that. And right. it's nothing that I did. It's nothing that they did. It's just that in their mind, they can't 
establish that rapport with me. They can't establish that trust with me. You know, oftentimes I, I still I do think uh, people are are scared for whatever reason. How, how do you break that? How do you how do you help them understand? Like, look, this is just another insurance. There's a variety of ways. What, it depends. What, what do I need to be thinking about? Like when I when I think about the benefit of life insurance, what do, what do you feel like the best biggest benefit is here? Depends on the person. It depends on the person entirely. Uh, I've had clients that are in retirement age that have kids and they're just like, I, I want to make sure that I, I leave something to my kids. Okay. All right, great. There, there's your, it, there's your reason right there. There's your why. Then, you know, Someone 20, your, 20 right, to right. 35 year old, you know, that 15 year, what do we care about? We right. care about our money, making money for us. Right. right? There's your issue right there. I've got to show you the value of how your money can make money for you in a contract that is tax-free, creditor and predator protected. That means if you're in a lawsuit, they can't come for your life insurance. They can come for your house. They can come for your car. They can come from all those other things that you you insure. They can't come for that. They can't come for your life. I mean, that, that sells me all day. Exactly. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what else it takes. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, if, if people hear that out and they actually think about it and say, hey, this is for me, right. you know, not for my family to hit the lottery basically after I'm passed. This is for me to use now in the way I want it to. Right. Or if it is for your family, if that's your why, that's fine. But know your why. You have to know your why before you have that conversation or else it's not going to hit you. I mean, that makes sense. Now, when you're choosing a beneficiary, what, what does that look like? How, how, how do you, I mean, and I guess it, it depends on the person, but if someone asks you like, who do you think should be my beneficiary? How would you, how would you have to make that decision? Well, the suggestion I usually have, <clears throat> suggestion I usually have doesn't, uh, it's not allowed. It's, I, I say you can't have your dog as your, your beneficiary because that's who would be my beneficiary. <laughs> that's what you would say. Yeah, it'd be my dog. But anyhow, right, sure. uh, honestly, I, I, I'd say when you're choosing your beneficiary, it's got to be somebody that you trust to have some bit of knowledge to do something with the money, right? Because you don't want to just give them a jackpot of money and they go blow it all, right? Right. That, that, that's a big fear for a lot of parents, I've mm-hmm. noticed. Uh, a lot of parents are like, well, it should be my son, daughter, whoever, but I don't really trust them, so I don't know what to do here. It's gotta be somebody that you trust with the money mm-hmm. or you better have very good li- guidelines in your living will, right. you know, will after death, whatever it is. Your estate planning better be in order if you want the money to be used right. The other thing is, I would say, not only pick somebody that you trust to do something good with the money, but pick somebody you care about. Pick somebody you care about, right? Uh, It could be fiance, it could be husband, wife, it could be son, daughter, cousin, whoever it is that you want to help out in life, right? If you, this is basically you win in, a scratch off lottery ticket and the decision you have to make is all right who do i want to help with this and there's two different levels of beneficiaries mm-hmm. so that's the one thing i want to stress on right you definitely want to have a contingent beneficiary so you have your primary beneficiary that's the person that gets the money first or three people that split it three ways or whoever it is that's your primary beneficiary then you have your contingent god forbid they're all in a car accident and all three of them people die with you in the car oh no what happens to my money? 
<laughs> gets tied up in probate if you even ever get it. Right. You, you don't have, really have a claim to it. Mm-hmm. The big thing you got to do is have a contingent beneficiary. If you want your kids to be number one, that's fine. Make your wife or make your brother or make your sister your contingent. Somebody that can do something with the money. It could be your best friend from grade school if you want. Have somebody in mind for a contingent beneficiary. Now, how, as far as uh, upgrading insurance, right? Say you hear this, someone hears an episode and then they're like, well, dang, I got some work to do. I thought I was good, but now I know I need to right. probably... You know, after this term life is up in two months, I need to not get another one, like, or right. or maximize both the term and parent. How, how does it? How, do, how does it? The transition and, and upgrading look 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 for, for for that process, like. You're not gonna get a straight answer. I mean, they, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Okay. So, it, there, there's a few things. So, with term insurance, okay. Right. A lot of times you can do what's called a term conversion. You convert some of your term, all your term, half your term, whatever it is, to permanent insurance. Some companies have rules you need to keep a quarter million, half million, whatever in term uh, in order for the contract to be enforced. You can convert more than that, but you need to make sure that you have X amount of term or else say it was a quarter million of term that you need to keep and you only had 200,000 left to term, that term drops off your contract. But now you have permanent insurance for the rest, right? If you had a $500,000 policy, now you have 300,000 of permanent insurance. Right. The other thing is with permanent insurance, depends on your, your goal with the insurance, okay? If we wanted to do a conversion from different kinds of products that are in the same family, we can do something that's called a 1035 exchange. Basically, you're going to take the value for, of this policy, mm-hmm. roll it into this policy. Okay. It's a great vehicle if you can use it right, and if you put it into the right policy, mm-hmm. right? Again, this all comes back to funding the policy right. Right. Fund the policy right, <laughs> the you're going to be fine. Right. And your advisor should tell you how to do that. If your advisor is not telling you how to do that, you need to go find a new advisor. Right. <laughs> so I guess if, if someone gets started, you know, uh, at an early age, 20 years old, um, and they have all these different things that the, the word was discussed uh, when they first met with their advisor and, and say the relationship really isn't there and they're probably meeting once, they probably talk once every six months. You know, there's some people like that. So uh, how, do, how do they know that they need to have those conversations and, and, and make sure those investments and, and, and money drivers are in the right place? How often should that, that follow-up be? Like, now, what does it take? Legally, we have to follow up once a year as an advisor. We have to follow up once a year, right? So if your advisor is in touch with you every six months, say that, and if they're a busy advisor, you feel lucky. Right. Your advisor cares about you. Right. Right. Personally, I like to do a quarterly review with my clients. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is for me. Um, I want to know what's changed at all times. And my client base is very volatile to the point where in a three month span, their income could have increased, decreased. They could have lost their job, got a new job, especially with COVID nowadays, right? People are losing their jobs and getting a new job at the drop of a hat mm-hmm. or getting a crazy raise or not, or getting a pay cut even. Right. There's a lot that changes. Your advisor's gotta be on top of you. And if they're not, it's on you to reach out to that advisor. We're supposed to be available at all times mm-hmm. to reach out to that advisor and say, hey, I need to have a meeting with you. I need to have this reviewed or have the XYZ reviewed. Make sure you have your stuff under wraps. But again, this 
this life insurance contract that we're talking about here is something you're supposed to set and forget. Mm-hmm. We're not even supposed okay, to think about that's, that. Okay, yeah, that, that's what I was getting at too. Right, you're not even supposed to think about set that. Set it and then that's it. We check it once a year for the most part, mm-hmm. right? It's my job to monitor that and make sure it's performing the way we want it to. Mm-hmm. It's your job not to worry about that. It's your job to trust me to do that. And that starts at the beginning of the whole process. Right, that, that starts. And depending on what your tolerance is, right? There's a, ver- there's a variety of products that you'll, con- you'll pick from. But for the most part, you just need to make sure that you have an advisor that you trust to give you the right recommendations and then follow up with those recommendations and do what they say they're going to do. It's about integrity. Okay. And as we're wrapping up, uh, what, what, what are three things you feel uh, was, was the most important part of this episode? Get an advisor that you trust. First and foremost, you have to have an advisor that you trust. That may be me. That might be somebody else. There's probably 10% of America that swears they're a financial advisor. Whether they are licensed or not, they swear they're a financial advisor. There's about probably 2% of America that is trustworthy advisors, right? Anybody can be an advisor, high school diploma, college graduate, doesn't matter. It's about your licensing and it's about how much you care about your clients. Mm -hmm. So number one, get an advisor that you trust. Mm -hmm. Number two, have a serious discussion with yourself, right? About what's important to you. If you don't have anything that's important to you, if you don't have anything you don't want to you want to leave behind, okay, fine. That that that's completely fine. But if you do, and everybody's got something that they care about, even if it's charity, everybody's got something that they care about. Get something that you can leave behind. Why? Why not? Mm-hmm. Right. And honestly, the third thing would be don't sweat having a conversation about life insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Typically, it's not going to cost you anything just to have the conversation, right? And even if all you walk away from, you don't have a policy or you don't have retirement accounts established or anything like that. If you walk away with just the knowledge and you're armed with the knowledge of what life insurance is, what it can do for you and why you probably should get it, then you had a successful meeting, right? That's all all we can do as advisors is educate our clients on the necessity that we provide. That last one you said, uh, I think I think that's enough because if you know, usually when you know better, you do better, mm-hmm. right? So I think that one of the biggest gaps here is is just the knowledge, you know, the the, the information. A lot of people don't even know, first of all, right? You know, so and I think look, once they Travis, if you ask me, know, if you ask me, what do you do for a living, Vince? I'm gonna look at you and I'm gonna be like, I educate people right. on how to protect, optimize, and grow their income, right? That's what I do for a living. As a My title, advisor. financial advisor. What do I do for a living? I educate people on how to protect, optimize, and grow their income. That's awesome. Well, Vince, you got any last remarks you want to leave everybody with? Or are you good? I mean, for the most part, I, I think I said my piece. I mean, I, I really appreciate being on, on Old Heads, man. Uh, I appreciate yeah. you for coming been, on, man. It's been, been quite a while since I've seen my man here. So when he called me about the episode, I was real excited. Oh, yeah. So, so hey, like we always tell everybody every episode, Make sure you tune into the next one and stay in your lane.